This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight, your Nobia source for thriving with diabetes. I'm Taylor Danielle, and if you're new here, welcome. And, you know, if you're returning, welcome back. Glad to have you hanging out again. Man, I am really enjoying this season. I, I'm not going to lie. Every time that I get to connect with new guests and have new ideas each season, it just feels like it's getting better and better. I hope it sounds better for you guys. But on today's episode, I'm super excited to have a guest who I personally feel like is just making such an important change at a level that I had never thought about. And that's as a kid or as a parent. Now, I know that there are a, a lot of great companies and content creators who do things for diabetic parents or kids, but this particular person stood out to me a lot and everything that she's doing because she's going above and beyond, in my opinion. So I am talking about none other than Raquel of Type 1 Together, which is an online shop and like, what, you kind of get a little bit of everything. It's, it's a shop. You can get some mindset coaching, like you can get all types of things. And basically what Type 1 Together does is working with kids with diabetes and their families and helping them work through what we all know is a crazy roller coaster of a ride that is our diagnosis, right? So she sells what are called Diabuddies, which are these handmade crocheted stuffed animals, if you will, uh, that have like a Dexcom or like a CGM sensor or a pump. And it's supposed to just be a really cute way for diabetic kids to have something that connects with them. There's stickers, there's uh, these little clay buddies, um, and then they also offer coaching for parents and diabetics who are adults as well to work on your mindset, to work on how you see your diabetes and how you work through it. And, you know, especially as parents, how you can be there for your child and be able to support them while still having your own life. So I am so, so honored to have Raquel on the show. Be sure to go follow her. All of her information is in the show notes. And I really hope that you guys get a lot from this conversation because she dropped some gems so many gems. And I think that she says a lot of things that's really important for us, not only as diabetics, but those who might be caretakers or even just friends of like ways that we can support each other and continue um, to foster such a beautiful community as we grow and do more things. So I'm gonna shut up. Here's my conversation with her. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes, and it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset, perspective, and nutrition, together we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk, but for diabetics. Minus the entanglements, though. So let's do it. Well, Raquel, I am super excited to have you on today. It is, you're quite literally the most unique guest that I have so far. Everybody is doing all types of like edible products or like digital products. And what I loved when I stumbled across your account on Instagram is that your focus, you know, is around type one kids and or their parents and helping them mm -hmm. through either the products that you provide for kids or through your coaching services. So welcome to the show and thank you so much for lending us your time. Thank you. That was such a sweet intro. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in and I just really appreciate you having me on here today. I am so excited to have you too. So obviously I'm still very new to you and I don't know if the rest of the world knows who you are. So I love if you can introduce <laughs> yourself and let us know where you're from and when you were diagnosed. Yeah, so I am originally from Dallas, Texas. I actually live in Austin, which I, I was looking at your page earlier and I was like, wait, you're in Austin. Yeah, and I'm from Dallas. So crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so we need to talk more about that. That's insane. But I'm actually in Los Angeles right now, potentially moving. Uh, maybe we'll get more into that later. But I was diagnosed when I was five years old, so or right around my fifth birthday. So I've had type 1 for almost 20 years now, which is wow. crazy. Wow. Yeah. 
I can't imagine. I, I say this to pretty much every type one guest that I've had who was diagnosed very young. Like, you guys seriously need all of the trophies and medals in the world because I was diagnosed at 25 and, you know, I'm type two. So although I'm not insulin dependent, I could not imagine as a five-year-old trying to navigate this and I couldn't get it together as a 20-year-old, you know? So it's it yeah. is no joke that you guys need all the badges of honor because I, <laughs> just with my version of it and trying to navigate it for myself, it's difficult. And so, you know, for yourself and your family involved, that's a lot. So congrats, seriously. I definitely, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think it is tough on the maybe even more tough on the parents and the kids themselves, which is a huge reason why I I did start what I'm doing now. But yeah, I also think that being diagnosed at a younger age maybe is better. There's no better or worse, right? Like there's no good time to be diagnosed. However, you don't really know life without it. And so I think that does give you, I don't know, a little more peace with it where I feel like when you're diagnosed older, you have a lot that you're missing. So yeah, absolutely. I don't know. There's no good time. It's it's strange. And you all you can do is just kind of navigate through it as best you can, because, exactly. um, you know, there's it's like the, there, there's a manual, but then there isn't a manual because you can never fully account to all of the different things that you go through and experience and, you know, different stages of life. And, you know, so both of my parents are type two as well. And I, I watched them go through mm-hmm. kind of their diagnosis. My mom was first and I was probably like nine or ten. And then my dad was second. I don't know the exact year <laughs> that he was diagnosed. And I talk about this all the time of like, it just didn't dawn on me until I saw him taking a bunch of medication. I'm like, what's up with that? Mm. He's like, oh yeah, diabetes. I'm like, yeah. when did that happen? You know? So that was like in my later teens, pretty much off to college and they're polar opposite, you know, and how they navigate mm. and the medication that they take and the things that they're doing. So even when yeah. I was diagnosed, it was just like, cool, I get your advice and I appreciate it, but they had me and my sister, you know, when they were 25, right. they didn't have a situation where you're living by yourself and, you know, you're trying to build a career and all these things. And so, you know, trying to account for all the different ages and stages that you go through, it's a lot. Um, so it I can is. only imagine Absolutely. As trying to like figure out like, isn't this normal for everybody? It's like, apparently not. <laughs> no, it is really such a personal disease too. Like you said, there's no one way to do anything. And what I'm learning over and over again is that you're going to have different seasons of your life that come with different seasons of your diabetes. And it's always going to be changed. For me, I think like expecting the unexpected has been huge for me because if you start to think that you have it figured out, mm-hmm. that's when you're just going to get very frustrated and set yourself up to be let down. So I don't know. It's definitely a mindset game for sure. For sure. For sure. And I'm excited to talk about your mindset coaching a little bit later because I, I could have used you even though I wasn't a kid because <laughs> the first two and a half years. I was just like, yeah, it's here, whatever. But before we dive into that, I I would love to understand what inspired you in creating Type 1 Together because, you know, there's such a vast space and I think the diabetes community is growing to me in in a good way to provide a lot of products and services that cater to our needs that can, you know, kind of make us feel included in the day to day norms of life. But I genuinely didn't fully think about products and services for kids. And that's why you stood out to me so well. So I'm just curious, what was the the spark for you to decide that you wanted to help children and their parents? Yeah. So it's quite the long story. I'll try to keep it somewhat short, but I went to the University of Texas at Austin. And up until that time, I really wasn't involved in the diabetes space. I was kind of one of those, you know, too cool for diabetes, anything person or people. And when I was there, I started meeting other type ones and I actually was part of the college diabetes network chapter. And I eventually, you know, became the president of that and just realized, Oh my gosh, it's so cool to have other people around you that know what you're going through and know what you're doing. And even if you don't talk about diabetes, it's just so powerful. So that happened and it started clicking for me. And at the same time, I just kind of found the online space and the diabetes community. And I really just fell in love and got completely sucked in. And I ended up interning at JDRF in Austin, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And through that, I started babysitting for a lot of type one families. I needed a little bit of extra money as a college student and started babysitting pretty frequently and then started connecting all of my type one friends from the College Diabetes Network to these families whenever I was busy and I couldn't be there. So it just kind of became a thing. I got close to a lot of these families and really saw what it was like for them to be taking care of a type one child. Um, Very tough, obviously, not only on the child themselves, but on the marriages and their relationships and even their relationship with their children and just that whole dynamic. 
So, you know, Type 1 Together actually originally started as a babysitting connection service for Type 1 families. So I'm not sure if you knew that, but that was the the beginning of it all. Yeah. So I just realized this is a huge issue. These parents never get to get out. There is no one that can truly watch their children. And, you know, even these parents that would explain diabetes to these babysitters, they would go out to eat, but the whole time they would be glued to their phone, making sure that their child's okay. And they really wouldn't be able to be present where when my type one friends and I would go over there, they could really just go out and know that their child is safe. And so that was huge for me. And I just realized there was a huge need for this and it didn't exist. And so I I launched type one together originally during my senior year as that we were in Dallas and in Austin. Um, truthfully, things got very tricky with COVID coming and, you know, people not needing sitters anymore, obviously. And also just the liability that comes with babysitting and then diabetes is a lot. Mm -hmm. And so it was definitely challenging, but I still, I love babysitting for type one families and connecting people because it's still such a huge need. But during that time I was watching these kids while their parents were gone and they would come home and they would be like, how did you keep their blood sugar in range? Like, what are you doing? And I started just sort of coaching them through what I was doing. And it was all, you know, in those probably three, four years of college, I started to change the way that I managed my type one. I, a huge reason also why I created type one together is I have found that a lot of doctors, while they're amazing and they have a lot to offer, they don't always give you the full knowledge of this is what it's holistically like to live with this disease. So hard that part. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, here you go. You're going to be fine. But there's just so much to it, as you know. And so I was also a dance major at UT. And so that added like a whole nother level of me trying to manage this disease while being so active. And it made me have to figure things out much. I mean, I say quickly, like I had type one for over 10 years at that point, but it was like, I had this new disease and new like way of looking at it. And so I was learning a lot about sugar surfing and just what I like to call intuitive diabetes management. I totally just made that up, but it's just managing based on all the factors that are going on in your day. And so, you know, if I'm going to eat a sandwich one day, well, it's probably going to need a different amount of insulin than the next day when I'm going for a walk before, or I'm really stressed or tired, or it's the time of the month, you know, it's, there's just so many factors and you can't look at it as this much insulin and this many carbs equals great blood sugars. It just doesn't work. Mm. So again, realizing that, and that also causes a lot of frustration for families, for um, anyone living with diabetes, because you're doing what the doctors are telling you to do and you're not getting the results. Mm-hmm. And that just, it makes you feel like you're doing something wrong. And so anyways, I was starting to work with these families very casually because they just needed help figuring out how to manage. Obviously I'm not a doctor and I would never claim to be, and I'm very careful about that. But I do think that I've just learned a lot through experience in all of the years uh, that I've had this. So started doing that. COVID came, all of that, and I realized I really do need to pivot. And also that my true passion wasn't babysitting. As much as it was a huge need, I care a lot more about working with families and providing things to these kids and to the parents, even just talking to them and them seeing, okay, this girl's had it for 20 years and she's thriving or whatever you want to say, like my daughter's going to be totally fine. That was a huge relief for them. And so I started pivoting to products and resources for type one families. And honestly, I didn't really know what that looked like in the beginning. And I'm definitely still figuring it out. Um, I'm just seeing, you know, what resources are truly needed for these families and going for it. But basically my cousin actually crochets already. And so we, we teamed up and she hand makes every single diabetes, which is really special. So they're custom made. You can choose whatever colors you want, whatever devices that you have. And even if someone's like, oh, I want something else like the koala. We had someone request. They're like, my daughter really loves koalas. Please make one. And so that's been in the making for a couple of months now. And it turned out better than we could have even imagined. Yeah. So we worked together on that. And now we have so many different resources. We have a free Facebook group for parents just to communicate, vent, share, meet each other because that's huge. And then I also come on and just share different tips and tricks that I found helpful, as well as I do have two other team members that one is a registered dietitian who has type one. And so she understands a lot about food and how to work with family specifically on that. And we both come at it with the approach of you can eat a certain way if you want, but also we, I really believe that you can and should be able to eat the foods that you want, live the life that you want and still have great blood sugars. It doesn't have to be either or preach. Preach. Yes. And I think, (laughs) yeah, that's a huge issue because you know, especially with kids, if parents are depriving their kids of eating the things that they want, they start sneaking food or they start binging. And there's just so much there that you have to be so careful with. But obviously, when you're counting every single carb and, you know, like having to pay so much attention to all of those details, it can be 
really mentally challenging. So we do have, her name's Brooke, and then we have a, a counselor as well who's a parent of a type one herself. And so she can work with parents on the mental health side of things as well as kids if they're if the parents are wanting that for them. And yeah, so we have our free Facebook group. We do a lot of free community calls for parents. So we'll have different doctors on or someone talking about like, transitioning from teen to adulthood with diabetes or alcohol or, you know, all of the topics. And then I do coaching as well. That's just, it really depends what the family is wanting, but sometimes it's just a parent honestly crying to me and venting about things. And that can be more beneficial than I think I realize. And sometimes it's, you know, me working with them on how can we make sure that your child is able to play softball and still have great butchers. So it really ranges. And then the whole mindset piece is really what my specialty is in. For parents especially, it's like, how can we make sure that you're living your life and still taking care of you because you can't pour from an empty cup? And a lot of these parents, as soon as their child gets diagnosed, everything that they have goes straight to their child. All of their energy turns there and they lose themselves. And I mean, that's common for parents, even if their child isn't type one, but then you add diabetes and it's like, they completely lose yeah, their sense of self and it can be really sad. And ultimately they're not going to have the energy to take care of their family as well as they could have if they actually still did the things that they enjoyed and slept. <laughs> Sleep is a big one. So yeah, I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but we have all of those things and we do have some fun products. The Diabetes are obviously our most popular. We have bracelets, we have stickers and some other cool things that are coming out very soon in November. So yeah, stay on the lookout for that. But yeah, that's basically what Type 1 Together is. We're just trying to fill that void of, you know, I mean, my, my overall goal is to work specifically with newly diagnosed families so that when they come out of the hospital, they're like, okay, here's some tools that I'm not being given already because truthfully, you just aren't. Yeah, you're just sent on your way and you're like, here you go. Here's this crazy disease. Like you got to give your child 15 or, you know, 10 shots a day or whatever if they're not on a pump and it's completely overwhelming. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, just when I thought that you couldn't get any cooler, you, you want to, I just want you to know, like, that is really amazing, Raquel. Like you not only have what you're offering and such an awesome way to pivot as well and still be able to be there for families because of the pandemic and how it's continuing to change. And we're all still trying to figure out what normal is, you know, especially yeah. here in Texas. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just like to, to know that you offer a dietitian who 100% knows about life as a diabetic. And then you also have a counselor who is a parent who can really empathize and connect with what they're going through. And like you said, how like the minute that you find out, like all of your energy goes to your child, because, you know, a lot of people seem to, to not understand, like, you don't just have diabetes by yourself. You have it together mm. with the people that are, yeah. you know, in your lives. And for a lot of people, it's your parents. For some of us, like myself, it's my partner. And so you have to really consider kind of what they're going through, um, especially when your your role as a parent is to like, hey, make sure you have the best life, teach you the best ways and hope that you make the best decisions. And now that's an added piece of like, oh, yeah, and make sure you take all this you know, insulin, make sure you know how to do math super early, you know, so that way you can live because, you know, one one misstep can be vital. And so um, that you offer this kind of trio of services that really can connect with different points is is absolutely amazing aside from the products by itself. And I'm glad you you answered one of my questions of like, how are they made, the Diabetes? Because like it it looks handmade and and they're beautiful. So shout out to (laughs) your cousin because- She's incredible. Um, they're amazing. They're amazing in that you can get them customized. So that means I'll have to request one with a, a freestyle sensor because I'm not a... Yes, we have them. Oh, yes, sweet. Yeah, I was like, I don't... I, I know. I'm not good enough they're for not desktop, textured. The problem is that I only have so many of them myself. Like, she's made, like, pretty much one of each one for me. And so since I have a Dexcom and T-Slim, a lot of times the ones pictured are those. But yes, we make every device that exists. That is super cool. <laughs> I, it feels like, like diabetic Build-A-Bear. Like, I just feel like you yes. guys just need to take over Build-A-Bear and just do it for autoimmune stuff. Like, yep. th- that. put that in your back pocket. You know, I'm not going to lie. I walked by a Build-A-Bear store and I was like, I wonder if I could partner with them. That would be so awesome. But there is something so cool. Like, I thought about scaling it a lot of times, but I love the quality. Like, you can't even tell over the pictures. They are nice quality because they are handmade. Yeah. 
So it's like part of me wants to keep that. And I love the small business side, but we'll see. You never know. know. (laughs) And, you know, I firmly believe that if you want the customization touch, that can definitely be worked into your mouth. So I used to be an operations manager. Mm -hmm. So this is like Mm -hmm. the stuff that I used to help talk with and like customer support and stuff like that. Like I used to run a team and train people like, here's how you give quality customer service and, you know, the back end of that kind of stuff. Anyways, but it's, (laughs) I think there's room for the best of both worlds. And I think that would be such a huge game changer. So don't sleep on that partnering idea with them. I think I think I'd be nudging them in the corner and be like, "Hey, I'm just saying, there's a market for this, and I can help get there because I know what this yes. is like." You know, I so love that. There's yeah, and I'll also say, "I'm oh, sorry, go ahead." Oh, I was just saying, there, there's your sign if you need it. <laughs> yes, thank you. No, I did need it. We're actually about to come out with a donation die buddy as well. So if someone wants to buy one for a newly diagnosed family, we're gonna have that as an option, so we can share the love. So. Just wanted to mention that too. <laughs> okay. Before I geek out too hard, I want to make sure I like, make sure the listeners also have <laughs> stuff to geek out over. So what inspired the name? I, I love branding and, and hearing about people's stories about how they decide to, with their names for stuff. I actually had to have an old coworker help me. It, she indirectly helped me come up with the name uh, of my show yeah. because it used to be heels in hindsight, as in like shoes. Oh. I was thinking like, oh, it'd be girly. And it was something me and my two best friends, we were trying to figure out having uh, a YouTube channel like, years ago. And then I got diagnosed and then I was sitting on this idea and I'm like, I really want to do something. I couldn't find anybody around my age to like help me through this. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, let's flip it this kind of way. And so then I talked to a coworker about it. And she's like, oh, heels like H-E-A-L-S. I was like, oh, shit. Why didn't I do that? Duh. That makes so <laughs> much sense. Like, why? All right. Let's change it to healing. And, you know, here we are. So it started out it. as a girly thing and then ended up what it is now. So I love people's yeah. background stories and how they come with their names because they usually really funny or really inspiring. So I'd love to know how Type <laughs> 1 together became, became the title. Well... Yes, you have to talk to people. And that's what I've learned so much as like a solar, solopreneur, whatever you call it. Like you're in your head a lot, just thinking big things about yourself. And that can be very difficult. So I did talk to people about it. I was trying to figure out what the name was. And I knew there was like something that just made sense. And I couldn't figure it out. It was on the tip of my tongue. And so I was driving back from a diabetes event with two other type one friends. And my friend Corey, honestly, he was just like, we were like type one. Like we we're trying to find out like what the other word was. And he said type one together. So honestly, it's not a crazy story. However, it immediately clicked with me because the power of community is everything to me right now. And it's been the whole inspiration for starting type one together. And so it just makes perfect sense. I think a lot of people ask me, they're like, how do you live with type one and it's your business and you're like surrounded by it. So many of my friends are type one now and they're like, isn't that way too much? Like, aren't you burnt out? And I think at times it is a little bit of that, but more so it, it makes me feel, I think, less burnt out because I don't have to carry it on my own. I'm always able to share that with other people and be in it together as cheesy as it sounds. And as much as I avoided it growing up, it literally has changed the way that I manage diabetes, look at diabetes, everything. So I really believe in the power of together. It's perfect. Shout out to to the homie Corey for coming. And you're right. You're absolutely right. I got better about managing my diabetes the more that I got involved in the community because I was Mm -hmm. afraid to. One, you know, again, when I didn't find it, we're talking like 2015 when Instagram was just now starting to flourish, right? You know, I didn't find anybody. And it's funny because a lot of the friends that I've made now, I'm like, we were literally diagnosed around the same time. Like, where the hell were you? Like, yeah, why didn't you, (laughs) you know? And so (laughs) it just speaks to the power of the online community at that of like, you know, I just happened to check back. I'm like, well, hashtags Mm -hmm. are a thing now. Like, 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 let me see. And everywhere I looked, I was like, oh, wait, now we're here. Okay. Yeah. And so I didn't know about a CGM. Till this past year. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about seeing an endocrinologist because my primary was taking care of everything. And for a lot of my friends, they were like, you haven't seen an endocrinologist? Like, "Mm -mm, type two world, they really, they're not expressing that too much for us because it's just like, take this pill, you'll be fine. And then I go see my my first endocrinologist, what, six months into seeing him? Mm -hmm. Full medication regimen changed, A1C dropped, and he's like, yeah, I'll write you a script for a CGM. What? Like, because I had been fighting for a while to yeah. try to get one um, because I wasn't diabetic enough <laughs> right. to get oh. one, which is crazy. But it's because I've connected with so many people to bring to light resources that I never knew existed and also areas yeah. of opportunity for us to connect. In. And so when I started the podcast, I thought it was going to be completely type two. And mm-hmm. mid-season two, I was like, uh-uh, I'm tearing down all those barriers, those lines. I don't want that mm-hmm. to exist because 
I learned so much from other types than I did yep. just relying on this one version of what I have. And it's not really mine. You know, it's something that is unique yeah. to each person. So I can't even assume that, you know, because we have the title of this type, that it's the same. And so the community yeah, that's so true. has been so huge. So I wholeheartedly agree that community is huge. Everything. It's everything. It's everything. So in, in the idea of, you know, you connected with your cousin to create these Dia Buddies and the Clay Buddies. I'm so curious about the Clay Buddies. But, like, oh, yeah. what was, what's the creative process for deciding, like, wh- why animals even at that? You know, was it something <laughs> that, like, you just notice kids just gravitate more to animals? I mean, I'm pretty sure I've seen Paw Patrol more times than I would like to. <laughs> who's it? Pep, Pep Me Pan too. And, and, you know, I'm like, can I go back to, like, Teen Titans Go? Like, I, I could ride with that all day, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) So I would love to know what was the inspiration on deciding like, okay, we're going to do these, these little buddies, we're going to make them animals. And and how did you guys decide on the process of like, what's a new diet buddy and and all of that? Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. So, so Megan, my cousin, she was already making crochet stuffed animals very minimally, but she was selling them on Etsy. And so she already was doing animals, but she could make all kinds of things. But have you heard like the term unicorn in the diabetes community at all? No. Okay. So in the type one world, a lot of people, at least on Instagram, they'll be like, I caught a unicorn whenever they get a 100 blood sugar. And so, yeah. So they'll like post a photo or whatever of their 100 Dexcom or meter. And they'll be like unicorn because 100, I mean, it's yeah, it's a pretty great blood sugar, I guess you could say. So when we were talking about, oh, like maybe we could make one of these crocheted animals and put on an insulin pump or something like that to make it more inclusive, obviously a unicorn just kind of popped into my mind. I was like, that should be our first one because that's kind of a thing in the community. And so we started there and then most of them have been requests. Like we'll usually just ask the community, what animals are you looking for? What do you want? And also we just <laughs> will like look up on Etsy, like cute crocheted animals and try to decide what we want to do. I want to do so many things. I have so many ideas, (laughs) but yeah, we've been trying to just make one every, sometimes it's a month, every two months and just release them every so often, depending on how many orders we're getting. Like in July, we donated 15% of all proceeds to T1 International for the insulin for all movement. And we have a lot of orders, which is amazing. I'm so thankful. So she has a lot to get through right now and I don't know how she's doing it. But once we get done with that, we'll probably start on the next one. I really want to make a, I have a dog who who's in Dallas right now, actually. I'm going to go soon to Dallas to get him and bring him out to LA. But I want to make a little like Cody is his name. I want to make a Cody look like Diabuddy. So we'll see if that one comes soon. But yeah, it's really just whatever the community wants. I think animals are super fun and, you know, pretty much all kids I feel like have some sort of stuffed animal, but obviously they usually don't have an insulin pump or CGM on them. Um, so it kind of made sense. And then for the clay buddies, my, it's actually really random. I went to middle school with this girl named Emily and we really like, we were like friendly, but we weren't super close or anything. And I was on the Austin, one of the Austin news stations a few months ago talking about the diabetes. And she like saw my post about it or something on Facebook and she reached out and she was like, I'm making these little clay buddies and donating all the proceeds to different organizations. And she was like, I'd love to make a type one version. And so then we just went with that. And that's been a lot of fun. We have a unicorn. We have, she has like different themes. If you go on our website, you can see there's like a succulent one and a ice cream one and unicorn. There's one other one, but they're super cute and they're very small. Yeah. They're like maybe the size of an insulin bottle and they can just like sit on your desk. So they're really cute. I love them. I think they're adorable. And it makes me think of, (laughs) What is it? Um, like, like, so, okay, so, fun fact with me, I'm an ideas person, so I can't help but look at stuff and be like, ooh, this yeah. is that. When I saw the Clay Buddies, I immediately thought about, like, some form of Nickelodeon TV show. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just running around and, and doing shenanigans. Like, yeah. the, what is it? The Rabbits? The, the Crazy Rabbits? That, that's what I thought of, oh. the, the, that cartoon. Yeah, just, like, they're like little characters. Yeah, like they're not really audible or, or like the minions, you know, and they're just running around yes. in shenanigans, right? And with the, <laughs> you know, um, caveat of like dealing with diabetic issues, like it was just like, it's, this is adorable. Like I could totally it's see so this cute. or, you know, even if they're the size of a vial, they're like hugging your vial or something. So I was just like, clearly I binge everything that you <laughs> it's just it's, yeah. it's amazing it's amazing to have these offerings and that people are reaching out like hey I got you I want to do this kind of cool thing and you're not having to yeah. um, you know 
like you said, do it by yourself. You've, you've got a lot of help. I do. Throwing it out there. Yeah, Y'all do it with Phoenix. Send that to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that yes. would be a cool one. Um, All right. We'll have to make it happen. I got, I got Phoenix. But yeah, I think the, <laughs> the Clay Buddies are also just a great like alternate price point. And that's something, honestly, I mean, this is kind of a different subject, but like as a small business owner, it's been really tough because obviously I want to give everything away for free that I possibly can for the diabetes community. Sure. I'm also trying to do this full time right now. When I say trying, I mean, saved up for quite a bit and I'm barely surviving right now, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, it's worth it. And I'm going to keep making it work because I really do believe something is here. But like with the, the diabetes that Megan makes, those take gosh, like six to 10 hours to crochet sometimes for one. And so, you know, she, you know, really doesn't want to charge a lot for them, but it's also like, that is a lot of time and they are really special and handmade. And so, yeah, the Clay Buddies definitely gives us another price point for people who maybe can't afford it. And obviously we do try to donate and, you know, give back as much as we can, but that's definitely like a struggle that I've faced being an entrepreneur in the type one space. It's yeah, it's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. You know, when you want to create something that takes a lot of people don't fully understand what it takes to create of any medium. And so I've been, you know, as a mindset coach, I'm sure you get it, but like money mindset has been huge for me and trying to work through, because like you yep. said, when you're working in a space that you see is suffering in certain aspects and at the hands of larger corporations, right? You are trying to navigate that sweet spot of like, okay, I do deserve to receive money for what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I want to be ethical about it. But at the right. same time, the quality, like, you know, you just kind of, <laughs> just this constant back and forth with it's yourself. Like back and forth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I oh, it's a struggle. <laughs> totally feel you. But I will say I don't see any harm in like, hey, like you said, with the customized stuff, like that should be a higher price because yeah. it is a full day's, you know, worth of labor and the shipping and everything that goes into it. And mm-hmm. it's, hey, the more that y'all ask for, the more money I can receive, the more I can like get other people on board to help you out. Exactly. Exactly. You need money to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel that so much. But speaking of (laughs) mindset coaching, I would love just kind of an inside scoop on like what it's been like working with parents. I know you said uh, at one point, sometimes it's just you listening and they just need to to let it out. And coming from the customer service world, I used to tell my agents all the time, you are phone therapist. I know you didn't sign up for it. I know you didn't get the degrees for it, but please know Half of, I'd even say 80% of what you're going to deal with is they just need somebody to vent to. And if you can be yeah. a good person for them to vent to, whatever you got to fix probably ain't going to be that deep. And they will they will leave that experience like, oh my God, this was such a great experience. And you're like, I literally flipped the switch, but okay. Yep. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I would love to hear like what's been your experience in going into mindset coaching and deciding to mm-hmm. offer a service, you know, just for parents to help them navigate, you know, raising yeah. a child with this. Absolutely. So I actually, so I do some mindset coaching with parents, which is technically through type one together. I also have my Instagram page type one day where I've shared for years now, just how to live a positive life with diabetes. And that can get a little controversial, but I genuinely am a very just positive person. And I have my days with diabetes and with life and I let myself get upset. But I also believe like if I have a really high blood sugar, I have two options. I can either get really mad at myself and be on, you know, frustrated and let it ruin my entire day, or I could just not, (laughs) which sounds silly. But if I don't, what's the result? It's the same thing. I'm still going to have that high blood sugar. I still need to take care of it. And I still have the rest of my day that I need to get things done or whatever's happening. And so I'm just learning to just let things go. And that's going to serve me better personally. doesn't work for everyone, but that is my general mindset. And so, um, Yeah, on my type one day page, I share just a lot about life and how diabetes really does connect with that. I believe that the way that you look at your diabetes is often the way that you also look at your life and the way that you treat both and that they can impact each other so deeply. So I also do coaching there with people that are living with type one themselves. And I am thinking a little bit honestly about branching out just to almost general life coaching, but I do think having the understanding of diabetes is very helpful. So I, I kind of have like multiple things going on, but I do a lot of the same coaching, whether it's with parents or with people my age. Obviously, it's very different when I'm working with people my age that have it themselves because I I do understand that better because I have it. But on the parent side of things, we talk a lot about fear of insulin and guilt that comes with being a parent of a child with type one. A lot of people still feel like it's their fault. Mm. Um, 
sleeping and, you know, just trusting that what you think is going to happen when you eat something is actually going to happen, right? Like that the carbs are there, that you have the tools that you need, that you've already made it this far and you can probably keep going. And obviously a lot of dangerous things can happen, but if you worry too much all the time, you're putting yourself through a lot of unnecessary stress that uh, isn't really being productive. And so, yeah, shifting their mindset there. But what really got me into like the mindset side of things, I've personally changed really my life. It sounds dramatic, but I've completely changed my life in the last six months. In March, I was living in Austin. I was working a marketing job doing type one together on the side. I had an apartment there. I had a boyfriend. I had uh, a dog. (laughs) My dog was there and everything was just like in place. I thought I was settling down. I came out, I was invited out to this entrepreneur house in Arizona where a bunch of people are living together and working on their thing all day long. And on the weekends, they travel and adventure. And I decided to go out just for a week. My friend convinced me to go, who's also type one. She had a business unrelated to it, but I went out for a week. And within that week, like had these crazy realizations that I wasn't happy in my life and my job and in my seven year relationship. And I actually went back to Austin and ended that relationship and decided that I need to do something for me for once. And I went back to Arizona for, they were supposed to be there for two months. And so we were on the border of Utah. We went to Zion and like did all the nice like nature things that honestly were very outside of my comfort zone. And that was kind of the start of it all, ending my relationship and realizing I needed to do things for me, going on crazy hikes and ATVs and just doing things that were not me, but realizing that I was capable of doing these things that I could trust myself. And that was something that I really struggled with. And I'm going all over the place now, but I've realized that as people living with diabetes or really any illness or disease or anything like that, we start to not trust our bodies, I think subconsciously, Um, because they just, they don't work in a way that they're supposed to. Right. And I hadn't really thought about that for a while. I was actually in a dance rehearsal in college and I was working on a solo with uh, my choreographer and she was telling me, she wanted me to do something a certain way and I couldn't grasp it and I couldn't get it. She kept saying, Raquel, just trust yourself. You know what you're doing. And I just couldn't get it. And she eventually was like, Oh my gosh. Like she knows obviously about diabetes and everything. And she was like, you don't trust yourself because you literally, your body doesn't function the way it's supposed to. And it hit me hard. Like I was crying and it was like a whole thing that ended up being such a beautiful moment because she saw me. She saw that like, oh, I have this thing that, you know, it sounds harsh to say, oh, you can't trust yourself, but we don't. And whenever other things start happening to our bodies, a lot of times when we're already, I don't know the word, not hurt in some way, but we have something like diabetes, we start to think like, oh, of course something else is happening. Of course something else is wrong. Like it's just going to be that way because we're already broken. And I think that really carries into the rest of our lives. And when it came to my relationship that I was in for so long, I knew deep down that it wasn't a good relationship or a healthy one. And I wouldn't admit it to myself. I had a lot of doubts. And I think that went, you know, that goes for a lot of things that were happening in my life overall. So long story short, I ended up going to Arizona for a couple of months. Um, completely life-changing. And then they all came out to LA and I've been living with them here and I'm only here for two more days and I'm actually transitioning to my own place in LA for a little bit, which is going to be great, hopefully. Although I do do love Texas, so we'll see how long I (laughs) last here. But point is, I just realized that you know, if I wanted to take control of my type one and my life, like I'm going to, I don't know. I think there is just so much overlap there. And if you let diabetes get in the way of your life, let it dictate the things that you're doing, it's just, what's the point? What's the point of life? Right. And so what's the point of all this work that we're putting into managing our disease every single day, if you're not going to truly live and take risks and experience things and meet new people and try new things, And I was very scared before I I didn't get out of my comfort zone much. And now I'm almost addicted to doing new things and being spontaneous and not having my whole life figured out. So yeah, that really inspired me this whole transition to focus more on mindset and try to show other people if you are not happy in your life, in your job, in your relationship, in anything, you can make a change. And it sounds, you know, cheesy and motivational, whatever. But the thing is, a lot of times we tell ourselves we can't do things because there's just so many things in the way. So for me, I actually originally said no when I was invited to go to Arizona. I said, I have all these things. I can't just leave for two months. That's crazy. Um, and then I realized like, okay, I could sublease my apartment and make that money back. Thankfully, my mom was able to watch my dog. I know that is a very privileged place to be, but you know, she was. I was able to figure that out. And even if I didn't have that, I probably could have figured some other way out to bring my dog or put him somewhere. I figured out how to get out of the relationship, even though that was the hardest 
thing I've ever done. Right. And so it's like all of these things that you want, they are possible, but you're just going to have to make trade-offs to be able to get there and sacrifices. And you have to ask yourself, is it worth the sacrifice? Is it worth that trade-off? And the answer might be no, but I think a lot of people just don't even ask themselves that. And they just say, Oh, I can't do it. I'm already stuck in this thing. I have to stay here. And they're limiting themselves. And so yeah, that's kind of the whole thing. And diabetes obviously complicates things. I am still on my parents' insurance and that will not be for much longer. And I'm very concerned about that being an entrepreneur, but it is my goal to find a way to still do whatever I want to do. Maybe that is getting a full-time job. I don't know, but whatever makes sense for me, I don't want to let diabetes be the thing that stays in the way. Now that might mean I have to work extra hours to make more money to be able to afford my insulin or all of these things, right? It's just the reality but I just don't believe anymore that, oh, I can't do this, right? Like you can't, you just have to find a way that works for you. So that was a long um, tangent, but that's kind of all it came, how it all came to be. And when it comes down to parents, like I said, I've just seen how much their lives are actually impacted by the child's diabetes and their relationship and their whole family, like you said. And so being able to just talk them through those things. And I mean, a huge one is, fear of insulin. I think a lot of people think that, you know, they do what their doctors are saying and their doctors are saying, don't stock insulin, don't treat until you've been high for two hours and all this stuff. And this is very controversial and I'm not a doctor, but truthfully, I'm like stocking insulin is sometimes necessary. If you need more insulin, if you're high, like two hours after a meal, right? Like you probably needed more in the first place. So it wouldn't have been stocking once you started spiking a lot to give it an hour after eating or whatever. Right. And so kind of getting out of that box of like, this is exactly how I have to do it. I have to eat 15 carbs and I'm low and I have to take this much insulin and being more flexible with it because that's how our bodies and that's how our life is. Yeah, It's always changing. So getting them out of that mindset and just working with things more intuitively is really the biggest mindset shift that I help with, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And like we could just cut right there. That was extremely powerful. I need you to understand, like you you said so much that has so many layers and depths to it. And and kudos to you for being willing to challenge yourself and say, well, actually, what's the harm? You know, I, I think you you said it perfectly of like asking yourself the question and being able to figure out what can shift, what can change, and especially about trusting yourself. Oh my God, I, I almost flipped my whole recording rig when you said that because it's just like, yes, like I don't think, you know, we think about that often enough when you have something going on and you want to go for something, you want to, you know, you you daydream and have desires and vision boards and all these things and you've mapped out the plan for it of what it would look like, but you let this one thing hinder you because you're just like, you know what? I thought I, I was doing it right. And then suddenly I popped up and I'm a diabetic and now I have 50 other things that I have to do on top of that to make sure that I'm doing okay. So yeah. of course, you know, uh, I should expect that at some point my body's going to start falling apart and I might end up with an additional condition and things like that. So I found that so powerful of like, you have to trust yourself despite what you have going on because it's, it's not your fault. <laughs> I think that's the other part yeah. is like that trust factor leads into this like guilt of self of like, it's my fault mm-hmm. that I'm in like, uh, it happened. Mm-hmm. We don't like it. Right. But what Rafiki say in the Lion King, you can either run from it or go, <laughs> you know, like it's not, it doesn't yeah. change that the opportunities are still there. It doesn't change the fact that if you want to do something, you can. And so that, mm-hmm. that was just so beautifully said. And so thank you for saying that if you were listening to this, thank dear you. God, please take that to heart because there's too much life to still be lived for mm-hmm. us to be stuck in this kind of safety bubble of, you know, catastrophizing everything. Like that's yeah. a whole cognitive disorder. So that means uh, we got to stop doing it, <laughs> you know? So I think that's an amazing thing to think through. So mm-hmm. you're, you are experiencing life outside of Texas. I'm very jealous. I'm just going to be straight up. I, you know, in the, grew up in the Dallas Fort Worth area, came to central Texas for school was like, yeah, that's not really my thing. And then I was like, but I like this area. So I stayed and I'm like, I'm ready to go somewhere else. Like, I'm yeah. ready to go somewhere else. So I think that's really cool that you found a program where it's like people of, of similar mindsets wanted to get their own thing off the ground mm-hmm. and you get to live in this space and they go have fun on the weekends. And yeah, that's really cool. I'm figuring it out. I'm trying to cut down on what's what. Trying to trying to get my life together because my partner, well, um, yeah. we're trying to figure out. My, he's now out of the military. So that was phase one because mm, yeah. Harley could do a whole lot. <laughs> if he was still, 
active duty. So now that he's done with that, we're looking at, you know, even if it's me going ahead, because I was really nervous. I'm like, no, we're going together. We're, we're going together. And it's like, no, like, yeah. he's lived all over the place. I haven't. Like, get that experience. Be the one to push anyone. If you need, like, to be pushed towards any big decision, I will be that person. So yeah. DM me. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to DM you on the side. I'm just like, I, I know I, what I want to do. And, you know, it's, I think, Colorado. And mm. I loved the Bay Area. I, I've, I've been to yeah. LA. I'd, I'd like to go back to get another feel because I was there for a friend's birthday. But my old company, they're based in San Francisco. And so before yep. the Austin office opened, which is I was the cohort that was a part of that, we had to keep flying back to San Francisco to like learn how to do our jobs. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with that yeah. area. I was just like, and my dad was, Pretty. my dad actually thought I wasn't coming back at one point. He was like, I'm really <laughs> nervous because you're out there a lot. Like, are you really out there for work or are you plotting something? I'm like, if I could afford it, I would. I, I absolutely would have. So it's beautiful to, to even seize those small opportunities. I had a, a guest who works in the travel space for diabetics. Mm-hmm. And that was something that she had mentioned. It's just like, I had to seize opportunities that weren't what I envisioned in order to do the things that I'm I'm doing now because we look at things as like, oh, well, I want to be able to like move and have some land and, you know, have a house. And it's like, it might be doing an entrepreneurship house. Mm -hmm. It might be, you know, having to do the roommate thing or Airbnb it for, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever. It's, it doesn't have to necessarily be perfect. Like if the end goal is you're getting somewhere, like that's the, the hurdles I'm breaking down. It's like, okay, what can I wholeheartedly bare minimum be okay with? And then work. Yes, I love you, that. You know, yeah, you have to allow yourself to pivot what you want because that's the other thing is we get so stuck on oh this is the exact life I want and how I want to get there and then again you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. There's always a way. Usually, yeah. there's usually a way to figure it out to at least get something, even if it is just traveling and not making the move. There's there's options. Yeah, and don't expect it to be this pretty package thing. I love the uh, the mm-hmm. analogy from from Eat, Pray, Love, where they talk about, you know, the the Italian man who wants to, like, win the lottery, and he keeps uh-huh. praying and praying, and God was like, okay, but buy a ticket. Yep. <laughs> like, can't really help you out and roll the dice if you don't buy a damn ticket. And that's kind of, yep. you know, the same kind of philosophy. It's like, it's not going to look perfect. It's not always going to be this magical moment where, you know, you were able to just invest a crap ton of money into moving somewhere and having this ideal place. You got to build up to it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just the, the leap, you just need to get yourself out there. And then maybe the opportunity later while you're in this not so pretty, you know, ideal situation might pop up for that to happen. And so. Yes, uh, exactly. And I will say like, it's been the hardest few months of my life as well as the best. Yeah. Like it has not been easy. I think a lot of people are looking at what I post or whatever. And they're just like, Oh, she's like traveling and living the life and whatever. But I'm having to face a lot of things. First of all, just living with a lot of people is hard. Being away from my friends and my family, figuring out finances, especially in California and not having my own space and like really being grounded. Like I've been moving around pretty much every few weeks for a few months now. And that's been very challenging mentally. So yeah, it's not necessarily going to be easy, but it's also not easy to stay where you are. Sometimes it's more painful to stay where you are than to actually take the leap. And that's the point that I had to get to. It took a long time, but I finally got there. So yeah. 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 I think the lesson that I've been learning in that kind of same vein is I was hell bent on moving to a bigger space. And you know, Austin is very much on the rise to be just like all the other major cities where it's too expensive. And I was realizing that all of the apartments that I had previously, I was, you know, you you get an apartment like, okay, I got to get living room furniture, bedroom furniture Mm -hmm. and all these things. And I'm like, I was really like designing my space to entertain people that are never here. Like, especially yeah. after the last year, I'm like, the only person that's here is my partner. So why am I wasting money and energy trying to curate mm-hmm. this perfectly Instagram Pinterest worthy place <laughs> that I don't use? <laughs> and yeah. I'm daring to say I want a, a two bedroom, right? Or I want this bigger space. And it's just like, what are you going to do with it besides fill it with more junk that you don't need? And so yeah. I decided then and there, I'm like, okay. Until I'm ready to to make the move out of state or, you know, city or whatever, or invest in property, you're mm. going to stay right here. Because A, my rent only went up $24 compared to everybody else that I know. And then I decided, oh, I should turn my space into what I need. I love watching renovation shows where they, like, take over yeah. a bank. 
And I'm like, mm-hmm. you've always been quirky like that. So why treat your apartment like this traditional? So my bedroom is my studio. And I, love that. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, so many people are going to look at me weird. When maintenance show up and they see a bed in the living room, they're going to be like, they don't got an eyelash. And it's just like, how often do we put up these social constructs in our minds that people are going to react this way because we're trying to manage other people's emotions instead of just yep. doing what Oof. we need for that space. And so now I'm way more protective because I designed the space what I needed it to be. And that's why it looks mm-hmm. so pretty right now because and I, love I it so like much. it. I'm so happy. <laughs> so I can go on all day. Uh, moral yeah. of the story, go Me for that too. shit. <laughs> go for it, please. Go for it. So, you know, we talked about, you know, creating Type 1 together. We talked about the Dia Buddies and the awesome group of people that has been contributing to uh, Type 1 Together success. We talked about powerful things and mindset and what you're offering in coaching. And I would love, you know, on the tail end of this to just kind of talk more about, like, where you'd like to see uh, Type 1 Together Mm -hmm. go. Like, you know, how do you envision it in five years? Because we seem kindred spirits and, like, you got a lot of great ideas. And as a small business owner trying to you know, grow when ain't broke, but also add in, you know, new and exciting things can be a challenge. So I would love to kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. hear like, what are your thoughts for how you want to take this in the future? Yeah, it's a challenging question. I'll say I've been thinking about this a lot and it's hard because I don't have a very clear picture of exactly what I want it to be, but I do know that I want to focus more on newly diagnosed families because I do think that is the biggest need and where there's just a lot of fear. But my main goal is to get in front of anyone who is not already in the community. And that's, what's really challenging right now is that I can go on Instagram all day long and waste so much time on there. (laughs) But truthfully, those people already have a community. They know where to go for things and they have people to talk to, but there's so many people, like you said, you didn't even know that a CGM was a thing until recently. And there's so many people like that and it's really hard to get in front of them. And so that's the problem that I'm really trying to solve right now get people resources that just, yeah, they have no idea. They're not connected to the community. I also want to get more actual in-person connections, obviously when it's safe to do so, I would love to do actual events. I was doing event planning for a while in college. I thought I wanted to do that before I switched to diabetes things, but I love bringing people together. And I mean, the whole reason why I do social media is to actually make real friends. Like I just love genuine connections and I've met, met so many cool people through the online community. So I definitely want to do more of that. I'd love to also, we have a lot of different ideas, whether it's doing a like parent to parent buddy system where they can meet each other, especially if they are in the same town, which would be difficult, but amazing as well as a child to child. So they can meet more people. We're working on putting together some sort of like type one together club for kids where they can all be a part of it and get to know each other virtually as well as get some cool swag and just you know, more perks for them, kind of making them feel special. So yeah, there's so many ideas. And I would also love to talk to you more just about anything. I'm so open to ideas. And I'm always asking parents, like, what do you want? What do you need? Especially as a newly diagnosed mom, like, what could you have used? But truthfully, I don't want to stop working with families. Like, I want to keep working with them one-on-one as much as I possibly can, because I love that time with them. And yeah, we'll just love to see where it goes. I'm definitely feeling myself go in a lot of different directions because of all the life changes I've had. Working with people my age has been extremely powerful. So I'm trying to decide like, you know, candidly, like how successful can I make type one together? But I've seen how much of a need it is. And every time I get a message from a parent where I see the picture of a child with their diabetes and they have their Dexcom and so does their dinosaur, it's it's the best feeling in the world. And so I don't want to let go of that. I know that, but trying to figure out like, yeah, where I really want to spend my time. So we will see. I'm really taking it one day at a time. I, Honestly. I feel you. I, I love the multi-passionate, multi-potentialite, all the things. Cause it's just like, I want to try everything. And this, honestly, I feel like that's the beauty of being a small business owner. When you have a very small team or it's just you, it's like, I can kind of pivot as much as I want and change as much as I want. It's when you kind of get to that mm-hmm. larger stage where scaling and, yeah. and, you know, one small turn can have a huge ripple effect. So go for it, try all the stuff. <laughs> and I think it'll help you know better because, you know, what do you got to lose? Not much. In my exactly. Opinion. So I'm super excited to see Type 1 Together grow. I'm very excited that I stumbled across and the things that you just want to provide to families, I think is vital. I'm sure there are plenty of other, you know, adult Type 1s who are like, yeah, if you were around when I was a kid, dude, like life would probably look a little bit different. So thank you for being willing to step up and fill that need, you know, so ambitiously, because I think like for me, I'm not a, a family person. Like I love tiny humans. I do, but I'm not 
the person to, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, that. they're touching probably all the wrong things, but you know, I think it's a, a special thing to want to um, rise up to the challenge of things that are so deeply connected physically, mentally, and spiritually between a family. And so to step in and say, hey, I want to help with that, I think is really admirable. So before I, I let you go and stop taking up <laughs> much of your time, I would love to know, like, what's one piece of advice that you would give to parents who have a, a child who's newly diagnosed? Because I'm sure there's still plenty out there who might have just stumbled into this experience. I myself had a really touching experience with a listener who saw an episode that I did with the guest and they just found out their nine-year-old was diagnosed and they were like, you know, mm. he was a male guest too and they have a son and they were like, we feel yeah. so good that like, it's okay, you know, because they were diagnosed around the same time. So like, I definitely understand the feels of when families are paying attention, even though I don't consider myself a, I, I say too many curse words for kids and I don't know if every parent's that. <laughs> so, but still, like, I understand that, that feeling. So I'd love to know, like, if you had to only leave one piece of advice for those families, what would it be? Yeah, I think ultimately it does come down to trust um, and trusting, number one, that you are capable of taking care of your child with type one as a parent and that you can trust that you have the tools you need to do so, whether or not you're on a CGM or anything like that. It sounds silly, but like trusting food when you're low, right? Like a lot of parents will overtreat, give 50 carbs for 75 blood sugar that's not even all the way low, right? And then their kids on a huge roller coaster, they're up to 400 and they're crashing again. And so trusting and being patient with something like that, like with food when you're low. And then on the flip side of that, trusting that you can give insulin. And if you give a little bit too much that you have the tools to fix it. But I think, yeah, I know it's a very specific thing, but it's what gets in the way. I think the most from anyone managing their diabetes is that whenever you are in range, you're very close to being low. And so people get very scared of being in range. But if your child's not in range, they're not going to be able to feel like themselves. They're not going to be able to do all the things that they want to do. And so getting out of that fear of insulin is huge. And it does come back to trust. I really believe that trusting that you have the tools to take care of it. Perfect. I, I think that is absolutely beautiful. It's a foundational thing to think about. It's something that I definitely will be thinking about because like you said, trusting my body to use the medication that I give it, to use the food that I give it, to give it movements to help fight with those things and trusting that it will it will naturally do what it's supposed to do. And so I think that is a, a beautiful piece of advice. Raquel, where can people find you if they want to connect with you and all the clearly amazing things that you're doing, if they want to <laughs> keep up with you personally and get involved in the Facebook group, how can they find you and connect? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much. I am getting so much off of your energy and encouragement. So I, I really do appreciate it. But you can find us at typeonetogether.com. The one is spelled out O-N-E. So typeonetogether.com. And our Instagram is typeonetogether, Facebook, typeonetogether. Um, and then we do a free Facebook group. As you mentioned, I believe that will be in the show notes. And you can click to join completely free there. And then my personal Instagram is type one day, like one day at a time is kind of my whole things. So yeah, come find me there. And I share a lot more about my life and personal things as well as diabetes on there. So yeah, thank you so much. You are so welcome. I'm just glad to be able to highlight you and all the cool things that you're doing. I will ensure all of those resources are in the show notes. So that way people can easily find you and connect with you. But until then, I will be watching and cheering you on and seeing all the cool things that you come out with. Be sure to catch some LA sun for me because I don't know, the California weather, man, it's just, it's not fair sometimes. It's like, how is this so great? How? Right. <laughs> so I'm not coming back. <laughs> it's hard. That's all. Yeah. It's, it's hard for me being in California. So I'm like, yeah, I can see it, but man, I got to get a bigger check. I got to figure it out. But this has been such an amazing conversation. I uh, look forward to connecting with you more in other ways, but until then, me too. I will catch you next time and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Yay. Thank you so much. Have a great day. I, 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 listen, I just, is it me? Is it me that I just talk too much? Or I just find people who have such amazing stories and things to share. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that 
This was, I'm just, I just love seeing people in our community doing things that are so powerful and so helpful for everybody. So Raquel, thank you so much for your time, energy, and all of the effort that you are doing to provide such amazing things for our most vulnerable in the community. You know, kids coming into this, it's hard. And again, as I said in the episode, big medals for all of you who were diagnosed so young and are just warriors in overcoming and managing and working with your diabetes to still live and thrive because it's absolutely possible. Of course, please make sure that you go follow Type 1 Together in order to learn more about what they're offering, all the new things that they have coming up, and also just to connect. And if you need some support, whether that's for yourself or to you know help someone else who you know has a newly diagnosed child or just a family who would like someone to just chat about and understand what they can do to ease the life of being a diabetic. So be sure to go follow. And of course, you already know, like, I'm also in the online space, if you didn't know. Follow on Facebook. Instagram is pretty much where I live. And of course, you can always watch the show replays on YouTube if you like the visual aspect of podcasting. And, you know, everywhere on your favorite pod listening sites, you know, I truly would appreciate if you guys could leave a review on Apple Podcast or on podchaser.com. If you are not an Apple user, be sure to put your Instagram handle if you are on Instagram in your review. So that way I can personally thank you. Once I see them, feel free to send me a screenshot of it as well, but I do keep an eye on that. And when you leave reviews, it helps the show. It helps people find us. It helps people to learn more about all of these amazing guests who are coming on and building their platforms and trying to provide to the community. So a free way to support the show is to leave a rating, a review. Just saying. Help me spread the message of diabetes greatness to the world. Anyways, guys, I hope that you are having a good day, week, wherever you are when you are listening to this. I am truly excited for the rest of the season. I hope you are too. But in the meantime, you already know every Tuesday and Thursday, you can catch myself or myself with a friend. And until then, I'll catch you guys next time. Peace.